Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's time for the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on VolQuest. Hey everybody, happy Thursday and welcome into the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast here at VolQuest.com and of course on our YouTube page. If you're watching on YouTube, hey, doesn't it look good? We don't look good, but the production looks good. <laughs> Throw it a like, subscribe if you haven't already, and $1 for one year, a couple days away, Tennessee and Georgia. One dollar for one year at Vault. Speak for yourself, King. Speak for yourself. I am speaking for myself. I look amazing in the top right box. I have the the Hollywood squares, baby. Amongst us, right here. I look like I'm getting ready to get voted off the island this morning. So it's getting ready to happen to me. I look like I I just got voted off the island. (laughs) (laughs) We got plenty of uh, questions to get into. Let's go ahead and start with Zeusify. Biggest key for Tennessee's offense and defense against Georgia. Austin, if you want to start this one off. Well, slowing down Brock Bowers, um, you know, for me, uh, offensively, I, again, I think it's shooting yourself in the foot. I think Tennessee's going to be able to move the ball. They did it last year, took it to the red zone a bunch, got to be able to, to finish it off. Um, you know, Tennessee wasn't able to really hit, a, you know, the big play last year against Georgia like they have this year. I think that can change. Georgia's not as good defensively, still have some really great players, and, and they're still really, 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 really good. But they're not – I mean, last year's was a generational defense, right? Um, you know, for me, I just think, you know, offensively, it's not, you know, you know, shooting yourself in the foot, playing at first and 25 or second and 15 or third and 12. It's playing at third and five, third and four, um, those type of things. So, you know, I think that's the biggest key for me offensively. And like I said, defensively, it's just making sure Brock Bowers just doesn't dominate you on third downs, um, you know, where Tennessee's got to be able to get off the field. Yeah, for me, it's two things. One, you got to be able to run the football and have some offensive balance. Um, you, you look, Josh Heupel's lost one game, one conference game as Tennessee's head coach where they've run for over 150 yards. Uh, so that's kind of a key number. They, they got to be able to get there. The only game they lost was the Ole Miss game a year ago. You look at what they've done in the ground game this year. They've run for 150 yards or more in every SEC game. So that jumps out to me offensively. Got to have balance in the run game. And then defensively, it's get off the field on third and long. Um, they couldn't do that in the Florida game, which is why Florida hung around. They did that in the Kentucky game, and Kentucky got blown out. Uh, don't let Stetson Bennett rush for 12 yards on third and seven. When you get third, Georgia's going to drive the football. Georgia's going to score some points. When you have an opportunity to get off the field, Rob Lewis, Tim Banks got to have an answer. He's got to dial something exotic up or whatever. They have to get off the field on third and long and not let Georgia extend drives. Yeah, I, I don't have anything to add to what you two say. I mean, my biggest one is, is run the football. And, and not not for 250 yards, but for enough to where you stay out of third and seven, third and eight all day against that Georgia defense. Even even without you know Nolan Smith, they've got athletes. They're going to be able to get out, get after the quarterback, run it, and and again, not a dominating run performance, but enough to where you are 
keeping yourself in manageable down and distance situations. To me, that is by far the biggest, biggest thing of the day. It's a two-parter here, Rob. We'll stay with you uh, quickly. The strength and weakness of this hoops team this year, what do you think it'll be? Oh, strength is the backcourt without question. I mean, I think it may be one of the best backcourts in the country when you're talking about Zakai and Santi, um, Josiah, I mean, Tyreek Key. It's a small sample size, but I'm going to go out on a limb and, and say the kid is going to be a really good SEC player. Um, I mean, 26 points against Gonzaga off the bench the other night. I'm, I'm not looking for 26 out of him every night, but the, the kid is a really good player. Um, and the backcourt to me is going to be among the best in the conference, if not the country. And and after that, it's just, what do you get out of the post? I think Olivier is much, much better. Um, but behind him, Yoroshi has got to prove that, you know, he, he can do it night in and night out. I, I love the potential of Jonas Adu, but, you know, is he ready to be a primetime player? I mean, he's, he's got all the makings. He's got all the tools. Um, is he ready to play 20 minutes a game at, at, a, at the high level that you need? So straight backcourt, question mark, post. I heart Vols, Brent Hubs, is hype proving it's not all about the Jimmies and the Joes? Uh, no, I think, I think you, I think to run his scheme effectively, you got to have Jimmies and Joes, Eric. And, and I think what we're seeing is this scheme is showing that there's, there were some Jimmies and Joes on this team. Um, you know, I think it goes hand in hand, right? It's Jalen Hyatt has always been a talent. Does this scheme make Jalen Hyatt more talented? Absolutely. Always fast, Hubbard. You know, speed never had a bad day, right? Look at Darnell Wright, Eric. I mean, he's a really good player. He's he's in a right fit, you know, with with, a, with an offensive line coach, and this system has fit him fit fit him well. So, you know, if you just said eighteen months ago. Does Tennessee have the talent to compete with Georgia? My answer to you would be no. Do, have they caught Georgia talent-wise in 18 months, Eric? The answer is no. But the scheme closes that gap. So, it, so it's a little bit of both. I, I, I don't think it's – I don't think Josh Heupel can go and, and get the intramural team and put them in pads <laughs> and, and, and score 40 points a game. So he's got some talent, but he's obviously – putting that talent in the best situation to go make plays with his scheme. So it's it, to me, they go both go hand in hand. And, and let's not forget, they do have a guy that's looks like a Heisman trophy finalist at, at quarterback. So that helps. Yeah. The and, and, and Joe's are, are still pretty important. And, and Hey, they've created that Joe, right? I mean, cause he was, I mean, Eric, he wasn't very good. Also, he wasn't very good when he got to Tennessee. He was so bad early on when the staff looked at him, they went and got Joe Milton because they didn't think he could play. So give the staff credit for, getting that out of him uh but yeah i mean you know you gotta have talent you're not winning without talent I, I, and i would go back i would say they they thought he had limitations you know um because of how he was playing right i mean he right. was he was checking it down he wasn't he was as you say he wasn't letting it rip and they've got him to let it rip so agreed it's 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 taking taking a, a, a diamond and polishing it up and, and I think that's, you know, we're taking a three-star and, and making them play like a four-star or four-star making them play like a five-star. It's it's the added development that's been impressive. And that, you know, that goes to some of the staff, whether it's Rodney Garner on the defensive line or Glenn Ellerby on the offensive line. Like, that's where I really see it the most is what those line coaches have, have done 
um, you know, in the last 18 months. It's been impressive. Hendon's definitely a Joe because there's already two other Jimmys on offense. So I want to get that out there, but no, he, the, the, we, we talk about every single week on the Rocky top rewind brand, the, the new wrinkle that we saw from the game the previous day, there's, there's a new one every single week. So it's exact. It's a little bit of both. The development's been really good, but I mean, for Golish and, and hype to, to scheme up some of those mismatches, it's, it's been pretty fun to watch. Uh, Sam Smith, 22-33. Is this the biggest regular season football game in program history? And another question uh, directed to me, how would you defend Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington? Austin, if you'll allow it, I'll, I'll go ahead and, and jump in first here. Uh, as far as the tight ends. As far as the tight ends, much like Stetson Bennett, I mean, you're gonna you're gonna try to throw a, a bunch of different stuff at him. You just you gotta get your hands on him, right? It's gonna be linebackers, it's gonna be that star player, it's gonna be the safeties. If you're playing zone, you gotta knock him off, slow him down a little bit. So when he comes through your zone, you gotta, I mean, you gotta get hands on him. Um, you know, he's gonna make his plays, right? So, you know, we'll we'll see what happens, but kind of mix some things up. If you're if you're running in man coverage, you gotta hope there's a guy over the top that can kind of help out as well. But more importantly, be physical with those tight ends at the linebacker position at the point of attack and knock them off the route. They're bigger, and Brock Bowers is fast as fast as some wide receivers. Darnell Wright is, or excuse me, Darnell Washington is the biggest receiving target you will see all season long. You have to be really physical with those guys. But uh, anything you want to add, Austin? And uh, also, the, is this the biggest regular season game in program history? Yeah, I'll take. I'll tackle that that last one. Um, it's the biggest one in a couple of weeks. I mean, like, you know, it's like the Alabama game because both were undefeated and you felt like Tennessee had a chance with such a massive game and labeled as such. And people were talking about the biggest game in Neyland and, you know, however many years. I mean, it's a massive game. I mean, you know, to, to know where Tennessee's been the last 15 years and, you know, to be sitting here, um, you know, as, as the number one team in the college football playoff rankings. I mean, think about Tennessee before, you know, Tuesday had never, never never even made the top 15 you know um you know since the the playoff rankings existed so you know they they've just kind of climbed up and and you know found their way and yeah I mean I don't know if it's the biggest one in, in you know regular season program history but it's 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 all it's it's a an awesome atmosphere to be at it's it's a huge game uh for Tennessee and it's definitely the biggest one in the last 25 years um in my opinion, I would even go back to 98. I would say this is a bigger game than Florida was in 98. And, you know, this is definitely bigger than that 8-0 versus 8-0 Arkansas game. Let's go to VolQuest historian. Hubbard, it's it's the biggest of my lifetime. What, yeah, what I, mean, think? I, think, I think when you look at where it's at and, and the way the playoff structure is now. Late in the year, too. Yeah, late in the year, what's right. I mean, there's, there's a couple of the games that come to mind, right? The build-up to the 96 Florida game. Uh, which was a two versus four game where Tennessee fell down thirty-five nothing. That was that was the whole summer talk was that game because that, that a lot of people thought that might be one versus two in in uh, Neyland Stadium. So that one is, is up there, but it was so early in the season that that it, it it didn't have the all the pressure was on Tennessee, I guess at that point because the, the way everything was structured. Then you go to 01, um, and Tennessee's playing at Florida uh, late in the year there to, to win the SEC East. That's probably the most comparable one. Uh, when you look there at you that, both of those teams were, were top five teams. Tennessee was a heavy underdog going into that game. They're an underdog here. 
Um, the Eastern Division was going to be decided that night in, in Gainesville. Everybody had wanted that game in November for years. So that's probably the most comparable game uh, but between the between the two teams. Uh, Tennessee wasn't, I guess, uh, yeah, they were unbeaten. No, they were not unbeaten because they had lost to Georgia. So uh-huh, that was yeah. a little bit different. But that's the, to me, that's probably the most comparable game when you factor in calendar, rankings, what's on the line. That, that 0-1 Florida game probably jumps out as comparable to this one. Let's go to Ramrod495. Rob Lewis, is Turnage and Slaughter the best two cornerbacks on the team, or is Kentucky and Football Jesus just that bad? <laughs> it's hard to say, but, I mean, if you just look at that game, you have to say yes. But also, you know, I don't think, you know, Kentucky's receivers are not comparable to what Alabama rolls out there to what – LSU rolls there out out there with Butte. I, I was it, it was the best game we've seen for two corners. Now, was it the best competition that that they faced? I don't know, but I, I felt like it was pretty clearly the best game we saw two cornerbacks have in tandem. I just like that they played the ball, Rob. Danico Slaughter turned around, looked for it, jumped, made a play. AP one turn and turnage jumped his. I mean, he, he was aggressive on that play and went and got that pick. And I mean, you know, I it just. They felt different last week, whether that was Kentucky or Levis or whatever it was. They just felt like it. They played different, and I know it's two different really, you know, players that hadn't played a whole lot at the corner spot this year. Um, but it just felt different. They made they made plays, Eric, that that they didn't make against UT Martin, Akron, Ball State, mm-hmm. because because they just they weren't giving up that kind of cushion, uh, and so th- that's the difference. I mean, they played aggressively. Now, that can bite you in the rear end sometimes, Eric. But, I mean, we've heard Josh Heupel talk for a a month, six weeks, about tighter coverage. Those two guys put their foot in the ground and played tighter coverage last week, and and they reaped the benefits of it. And when you were giving cushion to Nico Slaughter, the guy catches a slot right in front of you, come up and lay the wood. And and, and we we haven't seen that from any of those guys, anybody in the secondary, not just cornerbacks, all season long. So, it was fun to see. It was a whole lot of fun to see. I, I I, th- I think you're going to see a bit of a rotation there because I think I think Slaughter's deserved to play somewhere, at least get some snaps. Maybe not, you know, snorter, starter snaps, 50, 60 snaps a game, but I think he needs to play somewhere, that's for sure. I'm not seeing that kind of aggression and beeline since uh, they put out the coffee last week at Neyland and, and Rob made a, and made a beeline for it. And took I, it was, I was actually going to say – I thought you were going to say your honeymoon, AP. <laughs> I, th- I, thought, I thought you were going to talk <laughs> – I thought you were going to talk about the race to the ice cream line at the half at Neyland Stadium in the press box. You might have to have a fast pass to get an ice cream uh, in that deal because that that's a madhouse to, to get to that one. I mean, there's, I mean, it, it looks like Black Friday at Walmart trying to get to the ice cream cooler. Well, that's what happens when you lock it up before uh, it's all locked up before halftime. Because <laughs> there wouldn't be so any left at people, the half. <laughs> The fact that so many people in that press box prioritize literally their day around that ice cream it is it's just shocking to me uh awesome this is a good one for you this is from melton underscore vols biggest position need in the transfer portal this offseason this was a popular question in the monday night chat well there's more than one i don't think there's just the biggest um you know i i think if you just said what do you need most of i would tell you tied in because there's no guarantee i mean i you know We'll see what Jacob Warren does. A year ago, I think he was definitely coming back for a, a second year. Um, does he come back again? If not, I mean, you know, it, your tight end room is extremely thin. So I would tell you tight end would probably be number one. But, like, I, you know, they could use help at linebacker. 
they could use help at offensive tackle. You know, I mean, and, and really, you know, if you get just a really great player out there and you go after them, it doesn't matter where you're at at that position. You know, I mean, Tennessee, if a wide receiver, if a stud wide receiver won the portal and called Tennessee, I think they're going to say, no, nah, we're good. We're good. No, I mean, like, you know, you're going to take the best players you can get. So I'm interested to kind of see what kind of attention Tennessee gets from those that go in the transfer portal after seeing the year Tennessee's had, the fun they're having, the points they're scoring, all that stuff. You know, what kind of attention does uh, do they do they require? Rob, let's go here from Pine with basketball starting up. Which team, football, basketball, or baseball, finishes with the highest ranking? Magic wow. eight ball. Magic eight ball, Rob Lewis. That's a great question. Who's the starting center in 2037, Rob? Go. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'll go football just because, I mean, they're number one right now. I mean, there's no guarantee that either of the two. But, I mean, that's impossible to answer. But I'll go football just because, I mean, they are number one. I don't know if basketball is going to get there. Baseball probably will, but I'll go football. Isn't that crazy to say football in this conversation? Could you imagine saying that like last summer? Isn't it crazy that that's a question? I know. Yeah. To begin with. Oh, Matt, 3128, awesome price. How good is the in-state 24 class compared to the last few? 22 was a really good class, but 24 is good too. Yeah, it's a good class. Um, you know, when you look at Boo and, and, and you look at Marcus Gorey and you look at, you know, Kamaro Brown and you look in the mid-state with Edwin Spillman and Caleb Beasley, um, I wouldn't call it super, super deep. Um, and, and I think the one thing they're void of is D-lineman, O-lineman. Um, it's a lot of skill, right? So, um, you know, I, but I, some really, really good players. But I, I just keep going back and I'm just deviating from his question, but Chattanooga, like, where have you been all these years? I mean, like, all of a sudden, like, they've got all this talent down there in Chattanooga in 24 and 25. And, you know, I mean, it's just super impressive to see Martellus Carter, Cameron Sparks, you know, uh, you know, Amari Jefferson. I mean, there's a ton of talent down there in that Chattanooga area. And, and, and I think that's good for Tennessee because that's an area that, you know, it's not too far from Knoxville. Nashville 615, how much fun has this uh, year been to cover? Have you let yourself enjoy it? Uh, let's go, Brent, here. Do you truly believe Tennessee can win it all? I mean, how do you how do you not think Tennessee can win every game that they play? I'm not saying they're going to win in, in, in at Georgia, but I said it on this podcast a month or so ago. I, I don't think this is a bad matchup for Tennessee. Um, I, I, I don't because I think Tennessee – has improved in the offensive line, and they can move it. And I don't think Georgia's defense is generational, as Austin called it earlier. I think it's a great way to describe it. They're they're not bad, but they're not what they were a season ago, in my opinion. So, yeah, I mean, I think Tennessee could could win it all. I mean, they have to have some breaks, and they have to play well, and uh, they got to stay healthy. All those things that everybody has to do. Um, you know, I mean, you get into this game; it's a toss-up type game. You get into the playoffs; I think you're, that's what you're talking about here. You get to the SEC championship game; that's what you're talking about with Tennessee. So, I think anything's possible with this team. In terms of enjoying it, yeah, I mean, we're human, right? I mean, <laughs> it, it, Robin, how much easier is the matchup piece to write when you're, you're not sitting there going, "They got, they got no chance to win this game," right? I mean, I mean, it, it, and that's that's just one example. So. There's no, there's no doubt covering a winning team is more enjoyable. And, and I've told this story on the message board. I mean, I stood outside the, the media center once I got off the field at, at the Alabama win, and I just stood there and watched. Just because 
you don't see that. We haven't seen, we haven't seen that at Tennessee. So yeah, I mean, if you're not enjoying this, I don't, I don't think you have much of a human side, right? Oh, I mean, it's just more fun to go. I mean, I mean, to go sit in the press box and cover a game that, that means something. I mean, AP, I think it was the Florida game. We did the two minute drill. And when I t- I saw, it's like, man, this is, First time I've been excited to walk in the stadium in, in years. <laughs> and that's the truth. I mean, uh, I mean, we, we have a fantastic job. Don't be wrong. I mean, it's it's fantastic, and I, I count my blessings all the time. But you know, when you when you're going in to watch Tennessee play Alabama as a 28 point underdog, it's like that. Eric, the, you, the, you, this will be lost on you. But Hubbard, it's like the old Looney Tunes cartoon where the the sheepdogs checking in. You just kind of clock in, you know, howdy, Ralph. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what you're doing for the day. Yeah, well, I mean, think think about this, Austin. What's better, traveling to Athens, Georgia for this game this week or getting on a plane and going to Eugene, Oregon as a 24-point underdog knowing the Vols had no chance to compete in that game? And, again, not knocking a job. You get to go to Eugene, Oregon, see Oregon for the first time and watch a game there and see what it's all about. But – it's different when you're covering a team that, that everybody's talking about and has a chance to win every game they play. 100%. You know, I think so many people, like, you know, they try to, they try to you know, hide behind the, you know, well, you know, media is impartial. I think I can look objectively and still have went to Tennessee and, and, and be able to say Tennessee sucks in this area. They're good in this area. Um, you know, it, it, it's a, uh, you know, as an alum, I mean, it is – fun to see Tennessee actually you know be worth something again you know Eric doesn't understand it but I mean you guys were around a lot before I was but I mean even like my first few years covering Tennessee Tennessee went to the SEC championship game in 04 Tennessee went to the SEC championship game in 07 you know it's been a lot of bleh since then and so to kind of see these moments I mean I've sat there I mean I'd say after the Alabama game I just went home and just watched the reaction videos everybody's different views on Facebook of the kick and the, the celebration and stuff. And I just found that fascinating. Um, you know, I, you know, I, I found it fascinating, you know, to watch just, just the joy to see the two old guys that came up to us, you know, on the field at Alabama, you know, they were just happy, you know, and t- Tennessee fans were just, you know, some of them, I'm sure, you know, wondered if they'd ever get to see Tennessee be good again. Some young people, as you pointed out, Eli's never really watched Tennessee be good in his life. They wondered is that, is that actually ever going to happen in, in my lifetime? And so, um, you know, here we are, uh, 2022, whether that's, whether they're number one in the college football playoff rankings after this week or not, it, it's been, uh, you know, uh, a whirlwind of fun for everybody involved. And it'll continue to be because Tennessee's not going to lose the final three. At worst, they're going to be 11 and one sitting there hoping for a little bit of chaos down the stretch so they can slide back into the playoffs. Um, and again, worst case scenario here, Tennessee's headed to New Year's six to New Orleans or something like that at 11 and one. And Tennessee fans would have signed up for that at the beginning of the season. Tennessee's playing with house money, and that's the easiest way to look at it. There's, there's, there's no scenario that ends poorly for Tennessee, in my opinion. I've already been to New Orleans, so I'm trying to go to some other places I haven't been to. Yeah, Eric, Eric, well, you didn't hold that python down there on Bourbon Street. I know that's one you want to check off. Um, (laughs) You know, yeah, but we we did some other things down there. A whole, a whole lot of fun. Not not appropriate for the podcast, right? What Just did kidding. we do that wasn't appropriate for the podcast? <laughs> Just kidding. We it's a joke. Walked because... up and down the street, and everybody kept going, "Eric Kane, 
<laughs> yeah, because that happens. Say, yeah, okay. That, there's the joke. AP. There's the I've joke. Just, I've been a lot of places with AP and never had that much fun, Eric. <laughs> you ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hendersonville Vol 15. Uh, Brent, let's go to you on this because you mentioned physicality in Georgia in the, in, uh, a couple of days ago. Do you think Slaughter has the speed to run with elite SEC receivers and how uh, would his physicality help with Georgia and those tight ends? I, I, I think he runs I think he runs good enough. I mean, you know, uh, can he run step for step with Barry on Brown or, or the fastest guy in the league? I, I don't know about that, but, but I think he runs well enough to be a corner in the SEC. Um, and I think physically he run, he plays well enough to play, you know, the star position, you know, in, in this deal. I, I think the big thing with Danico Slaughter, Danico Slaughter has got to go do it every day on the practice field. Okay. I mean, I, I think he's got to be better on the practice field, more focused on the practice field every day, but from a talent standpoint, yeah, I think Danico Slaughter can, can, can play multiple positions at Tennessee. He's already proven that he can. And, and I think he's got the talent to be a really nice player um, if he's completely locked in, dialed in, and focused the way he needs to. From a physicality standpoint, it's hard to push Dar- to push Washington around. You're not going to do that. But but you said it best. you got to try to just knock them off their route. you got, you got to try to create some some unbalance with them, if you will, so, so that their route timing changes a little bit with Stetson Bennett. I, I think that's one of the keys at the line of scrimmage. I'm going to be curious to see how Tim Banks plays those guys. What does he do personnel-wise? What does he do scheme-wise to try to defend those two? Because that's where Stetson Bennett's most comfortable going with football right now. Doolittle Vol, is what we're seeing right now this one year a perfect storm scenario or something with long-term sustainability, Rob? I'm sorry, Eric. Can you hit me one more time? So the question is, essentially, is this the perfect storm this year? Are are all the stars aligning, or is this something that has long-term sustainability? Obviously, you have to keep recruiting, but I think it's sustainable when you just look at the coaching staff and and what they've done in in two years, less than two years. I mean, what's the the same? I I don't necessarily agree with it, but the cliche is by year two, you know if you have a head coach – no. But I think with what, what with what Josh has done and you know twenty one games here, I, I mean I, I think he pretty much has proven he can coach in this league, and and, and you have to recruit. But the you know the silver lining in that would, for Vol fans is they're beating Alabama, they're they're competing the SEC with you know, if you just throw the roster up and throw the recruiting rankings up. I mean Tennessee's in the middle of the pack of the SEC or a little below the middle of the pack when you're just talking about straight up where the recruiting classes would have ranked. So, yeah, I mean, I, I've seen enough of this coaching staff. I, I definitely think it's sustainable. 
Yeah, I, th I think the question is, what is sustain? What, what do you? What's your definition of sustainability? Oh yeah, they're going to be yeah. ranked number one next year. I don't know. Right. But they're, yeah. they're right. not going. They're not going zero and eight in the SEC. No, but I mean, you're going to have to replace some key pieces next right. year, obviously. But but I think the point Rob is making, and, and I agree with him a, a thousand percent, is there's nothing about this coaching staff that says this league's too much for them. They're overwhelmed in this league. They can't compete in this league. Uh, they can't win in this league. There's nothing that they have proven or nothing they've shown. I mean, game management, Austin, nothing they've done says the moment's too big, the league's too big, that their system doesn't work in this league. You have no evidence of that through 18 games. No, not at all. Um, you know, again, they, they, they pushed Alabama and Tuscaloosa a year ago. They just fell flat in the fourth quarter with a team that just wasn't good enough. Um, they moved the ball down against Georgia last year and, and just couldn't punch it in against that generational defense. Um, you know, you're right. And I think that that bears out with this team, like this moment won't be too big. Tennessee may not win Saturday. Georgia may be the better team, but it won't be because Tennessee wasn't ready. Isn't ready. Um, you know, Josh Heupel didn't have them ready. Um, you know, I just think that, you know, this is a game that Tennessee goes in with house money. They don't feel any pressure and uh, they'll be ready to go. NWGA Vol ask, how do each of you think Tennessee would fare in a rematch with Alabama in Atlanta? Also, do we see an orange helmet this year? Brandon, I will go yes on the last question. Um, and then as for uh, Alabama, I think it would be a tough matchup. I really do. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, Bryce Young, you know, is really, really good. But, I mean, you want that you want that chance, right? You, you know, here's my question. Since it's technically not the third Saturday in October, I mean, I, I get people are going to bring cigars regardless, but, like, is it, it – is it the – it's not really a cigar game, or is it just a, another cigar game because it's Tennessee and Alabama? How, how would you approach it? It's always a cigar game when those two okay. are together. It's always, it's always going to be one of those. It'd, they, be, it'd be amazing because it's, you know, in all the years when Tennessee was actually going to Atlanta, Alabama wasn't. And then Alabama was and Tennessee was. They've uh, all the years of the SEC championship game. We've never seen the rematch in Atlanta. And here's what you need in that game, Rob Lewis. You need orange jerseys and crimson jerseys against each other. If, I if, could not if, agree more. If they're if they're playing now, that's a big if. But if they're there in that deal, I, let's, let's let's roll I mean, that. Why, deal why is that not the way? Why I, is that? Why is it not always that way? I mean, I have I, no idea. It, it seems to make. It, it just seems to make so much sense and looks so fantastic. Because the because the conference outthinks themselves. They, they, you know, they set in place these silly rules instead of just saying, "Hey, look, if they're similar, they don't need to be. But if they're if they're different, different enough, it's like, you know, Gibbs and Hall started doing this. Hubs knows this because you know his kid plays for Gibbs. I mean, I think that's one of the neatest things when those two teams play that they wear, you know, each wear their home uniforms. I just think it looks good. Uh, I think it's really, uh, I think it's a really nice touch. And when you can have them to be that different, it just it's neat. Well, well, yeah. well, UCLA, USC, I mean, yeah, they fantastic. do it. Yeah, it's fantastic that way. So, yeah, anyway, um, the, the, to the question, it would be a heck of a challenge. Anytime beating, beating the same team twice in a year, Rob, is hard. And, and that was a back-and-forth game that um, could have gone either way, depending on a couple of plays at the end, you know, in the, in the final four minutes of that game for sure. So it, it would it would be a heck of – it would be a real accomplishment to beat that that caliber of team twice in the same year. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want to have to beat Bryce Young twice in a year, but also, you know, Tennessee played him without Cedric Tilden. That it? 
would be tough. I'll, I'll tell you this. Tennessee's not beating him 10 times out of 10 times. That's for dang sure. Cause Alabama is <laughs> such a good football team and Bryce Young is a good quarterback. So that is the, that, that is what you want though. As Austin said, I mean, you want to relish that opportunity to go and do that again. Um, Cause that'd be exciting. I uh, got going to do two more here. First from P Frills 14 with Harson now being fired. Do you think a guy like Jeremiah Cobb, Austin Price will be exploring his options, especially with Tennessee looking to add in the running back and Tennessee was recruiting him pretty heavily. He was here on an official visit this summer. Also, do you think Alex Gola should be a name for the Auburn job? Uh, no, uh, I answered that the other day in my chat. I mean, like, w- would he take that job? hundred percent, but I-, I just have a hard time believing Auburn's going to go out there and hire someone who has never been a head coach before. I think Golish is going to be a head coach sooner rather than later. I think because of the success that he has had this year and the, um, you know, he, he's gotten quite a bit of credit for Tennessee's ability on offense. I think – and he's gotten a nice raise. I don't think that there's this rush to just go take anything. He, I think it's, he'll be very, very calculated with the job he does eventually take to be a head coach. But he's going to be a head coach whether it's this year or next year. Um, you know, he, he, it's coming. And then Jeremiah Cobb, uh, I, 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 he's really tied to Cadillac. I think whoever they hire will keep Cadillac. I think he'll stick with Auburn. I've always thought Auburn – had a chance down the stretch with whoever they hired to have a splash in recruiting because you'd have some Alabama kids that have went elsewhere that maybe Alabama wasn't going to take, but Auburn would have landed any other year, right? I mean, I think Tennessee has to watch Sylvester Smith. They can hold on to him, but it's definitely somebody that the new Auburn coach is going to call. The new Auburn coach is going to call Tamarion Parker. You know, so even if he commits to Clemson, I think you, if, you know, if you're Auburn, you're making that call. They're going to call Stanton Ramil. They're going to call, uh, you know, other players. in, in Vice and Lang? You know, Vice and Lang, maybe. Who knows? We'll see. Point is, is like that, that whoever Auburn hires is going to call some of those in-state kids that Alabama wasn't going to take that were getting out of the state and which, see if they can get some recruiting wins really quick. Yeah, which goes to the question is how quick can they get somebody hired? Yes. Because your window is going to be tight there. Obviously, they made a change to get going fast. They should be able to introduce somebody right after the regular season's over. And, you would but, think that that thing is done, but but we'll see how quick they get something done with a new AD coming in. Yeah, especially if it's a Hugh Freeze. But let's say their their target is Lane Kiffin. Well, if you know, let's play devil's advocate here. Let's say Lane and beats Alabama uh, next week. You know, all of a sudden they're the 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 you know front runner to win the West unless LSU wins this week. Um, you know, I'm and again Alabama's probably gonna beat Ole Miss. They always you know, but you just never know, right? Point is that could like delay Auburn a little bit, which would help all those teams trying to hold on to these potential recruits. And who, and who knows, those recruits may stick with those schools anyway. But I do think you're, if you're Auburn, you have a chance to have some recruiting wins by trying to keep some of those in-state kids in-state. All right, last one. It's going to go to underscore Hunter underscore. Tuesday, you guys discussed the importance of Cooper Mays on the offensive line. Who is being looked at at next in line at the center position? It doesn't mean if he gets hurt or injured tomorrow, asking a long-term center who would be after Cooper Mays, Brent Hubs. I think that's a good question. Well, you know, it's Jerome Carvin right now, but but where would they go after that? Is it is it Addison Nichols at, at guard? I don't know what they would – I don't know what their answer there in the spring is. And I think, uh, you know, when that moment comes, you know, maybe that guy's not here yet. I, I don't I don't know. I, I I don't think Rob people are truly appreciative of what Cooper Mays does for this offensive he's line. He's a smart, smart kid. He is a super smart kid. Yeah, I mean, I, I, his value. I, you know, Darnell Wright's played well. Austin, 
Um, all that group up front's played well. Jerome Carvin's a warrior up there. But but part of the reason this offense is having the success it's had is, is the pace that it can go at because of Cooper's grasp of understanding and getting it done. I mean, there are so many times that you watch a play and he's standing at the official waiting for the official to put the ball down because of his effort to get there. I don't think he's appreciated enough by some as the center at Tennessee. I, and, you I know, another another thing, I'll jump in. And, and I'm sorry, AP. But, and, okay. and Halsley talked about this a little bit on, on Tuesday when he was talking about one of the things that makes Hooker so impressive is how fast he has to process, you know, pre-snap reads because of how fast they go. Well, I think the same is true for Cooper. I mean, he, he doesn't have 20 seconds to, you know, identify the Mike linebacker and you say, you know, hey, this is the line shift. I mean, he's making those same kind of reads that Hooker is in, 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 in seconds. I, I do want to add that uh, Camp did tell Kevin here recently that he was committed to the ball. So that that that's a uh, that, that that was that was told to me a couple of weeks ago. So Camp, Camp Camp's in the boat uh, early on. Well, the the more important where's he where's he committed to high school? AP that's the big that's the bigger and, and more immediate question. I, I don't know, but I've, I've, I've told him I've, I've got some thought processes on that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure that that's the case. Funniest thing from Tennessee Prime Tuesday night was the fact that the two defensive linemen both called Cooper Mays the funniest player on Tennessee's football team. I don't know how many people would have had that in the pool. And Cooper's got a good personality, but the fact that without hesitation, Omari Thomas, Dejan Terry both called Cooper Mays the funniest player on the team was, was a bit of a surprise to me. He, he's sneaky. I think that's the thing about Cooper is, is you know, it, you he'll, he'll pull something off on one of his teammates and they won't see it coming. I, yeah, he, he's very sneaky. What class, do the math on the fly, what class would Camp be? Class of? Um, 2034, I believe. Oh. So we know, so we know, we know who the starting football center may be in thirty four, but not who the starting <laughs> basketball center is. Oh, Camp will be no center right? hubs. Have you seen this kid? They posted a picture on his. Uh, he's got an Instagram, and if you go on there and look, they posted a picture on there of it because Cooper really man uh, handles that, and it's him. And I and I, I saw him at the game, and I said, "Hey, the kids you're in that picture with are they your age?" And he said, "Yes." And hubs, they were to his waist. I mean, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. So the question was long-term at center, so maybe, you know, down the line in 2034 or whatever, but yeah. I, I mean, uh, AP, AP, where they go at center? I mean, it, it is a good question that we completely I, ignored. I don't, I, I don't, I don't have an answer. Maybe that's somebody they recruit. Maybe that's somebody they get on the portal. Does Jackson Lampley get a look? Is it is it, is it Addison Nichols? I mean, yeah. I, Lampley you know, makes some sense. Right now, the answer is not. I mean, right now, it would just be yeah. slide carving in because that's, you know. Yeah, but I mean, spring practice. Yeah. I, I, mean, I, I, I don't Nichols think right now be... that, that there's an answer on the team unless somebody develops, you go get somebody. Well, the good news is, is Cooper will be back. Technically, Cooper's got two more years, but I mean, I don't think he'll take it. He'll probably just take the one. Um, but he'll be back next year. And that and they've at least got some time to kind of groom somebody to be that, that starting center spring of 2024. Tennessee and Georgia, a massive football game coming up this weekend. Number one versus number three, number one versus number two, number one versus however you want to phrase it, top five matchup. Uh, Tennessee on the road, a clash of unbeatens between the hedges at 3.30. Uh, we continue coverage of this football game leading up to it on game day and, of course, post-game over at VolQuest.com. $1 for one year. Go ahead and join us, inviting all Tennessee fans, to come hang out with us. Only $1 at VolQuest.com for one year. 
And if you're watching on YouTube, please hit that like button. The goal every video is to get up to 500 likes. So hit that like button and subscribe if you haven't already. Appreciate everybody for getting in some questions. We do it every Thursday right here at VolQuest, the mailbag edition of the VolQuest podcast. Appreciate you guys. For Austin Price, Brent Hubs, and Rob Lewis, I'm Eric Kane, and enjoy the rest of your Thursday, everybody. You've been listening to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast every week right here on VolQuest. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.